Hey, thank you for listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are streamed. You can also visit PraiseChapelLasVegas.com and follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas to stay connected with PCLV. Thank you again for listening. Here comes today's message. some powerful speaking. Come on, somebody. We've heard some powerful speaking. I know that as it gets a little bit later on in the uh, closer to noon, I start looking like a chili dog up here. So you got to behave yourself for a little while here. You know what I mean? You got to do that. I, I, I understand that. Uh, I understand in all that is taking place, man, we still have these bodies that we have to deal with and and things happen, but our, our spirit's getting fed this morning. Last night, it started in an incredible way. This morning, God has been faithful, and, and this, is, this is an exciting thing. The theme of, of peace be still. Pastor uh, Fernando took us on a trip last night. Just took us through so many areas in looking at this scripture and how it fits into our, our, our being as Christ followers and Scripture in chapter 10 where it says, be still and know that I am God, or the translations that you might have like cease striving. The correct or the best illustration literally means to leave off or get your hands off. It was an incredible one. Like, get your hands off there. Something that happens every time you reach in to get another homemade cookie from the pile. Get your hands off there. That's not for now. Well, I want to share something with you if I can this morning because plans don't always go the way we want them to. I've made a lot of plans through the years, and there's been a lot of years that have, that I've, you know, we've gone down, my wife and I, in the ministry and living for God, and things didn't always turn out the way we expected them. You heard a few things like last night and even this morning. You've heard statements like, wait, I didn't, I didn't, this is not what I planned for. I expected something different. So this morning in this area of God's peace and, and our seizing to, to, to maybe get interfere with where God is taking us and what he wants to do and with the messages that we, we've heard, I want to talk about how God will make a way. It is who he is. It is what he does. And I want you to know that sometimes God makes a way not because you did something right. Not because you or I have it all together. We've got all our ducks lined up in the right road. Not because of anything except for what he has spoke in his word. God keeps his word. It doesn't always happen the way we expect it to happen, but I want you to know that God keeps his word. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Genesis. If you have your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter number four. A 
Many of you know the story. You've read through the book of Genesis in the first part, Adam and Eve, and the consequences of sin, and the difficulty of what took place when they were in the garden and when they ate of the tree, and the consequences that were very heavily placed on them. How many know we have the freedom to choose, but we don't have the freedom to choose our consequences? You may be able to make any choice in life, but you have no choices of the consequences of those decisions that we may make. It tells us in Genesis chapter 4 that, that God did something that wasn't expected by Eve nor Adam. It says in chapter 4, the man had relations with his wife. Verse number 1, she conceived she gave birth to Cain. Everybody say Cain. Hey. She said, I've gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again, she gave birth to her brother Abel. Say Abel. Hey. Bible says Abel, verse 2. Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came in the, in the past, in the course of time, that came. he brought an offering. Both brothers brought an offering. Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord Abel on his part, also brought the firstlings of his flock and of his fat portions. He was like us. He had fat portions. And the Lord, look at this, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. If you have a Bible that's of the Esse translation, said he had a cara de chancla. Because even when you think you're doing something right, you might not be doing it exactly the way God wants it done. And this is what took place in these two young men's life. They were taught by their father. They were taught by Adam. They knew because God had to create a sacrifice in order to clothe Adam and Eve when they were in the garden and they were naked, they had no idea until sin stepped in. Are you following me? So there had to be an impartation from father to son. There had to be a, an example that was given from mom and dad to these two boys of what you bring to the Lord, of how you bring it to the Lord. But you know, like always, there's always situations where we might think that we can do things a little differently, that we might think that we can make a little, a little bit of a turn or bend it a little bit, and that's what took place, and this is the consequence of that. So Cain, Cain's countenance had fell. Verse 6, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Ooh, that's a powerful statement. whole different thing to minister on. We're not going there right now. But you must master it. Verse 8, Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about that when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. The Lord said, where's your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive 
to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask for your help. We ask for your mercy. We ask for your grace. We ask you, God, to continue on in this morning to just let your Holy Spirit have its way and let its anointing move in our lives. Help us to hear your voice that is speaking through our voices. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. In one sweep, in one sweep of jealousy, in one response from a jealous heart, Eve's dreams are on the floor, in the ground, bleeding. Her older son is a criminal who's on the run. Her younger son is murdered in the prime of his life. She is supposed to be, by the way we read the scriptures, the mother of all living. That's why she was given that name, Eve. Now she has a corpse and a killer. She didn't plan that out. She didn't want that. God, you didn't tell me it was going to happen this way. Maybe you can identify with that. Maybe you might understand what it is when plans don't go the way you expected them to go. When all your orchestrating and all your things that you might try to get lined up just doesn't happen. And especially for those of you, if you're in the ministry of any, you might teach a Sunday school and think today's going to be a great day till all of a sudden at prayer requests with those little kids. Pray, pray for my mom, she hit my dad. Pray for my tia Tachuela, she's smoking cigarettes again. Kids can be truthful, huh? You think it's going to be a great time, and now your mind is filled with all kinds of stuff that their kids are sharing because there's, there's trouble in the household. You can have all kinds of thoughts of how things are going to go in your Bible study. It's going to be a great night. I can feel it. Hallelujah. Nobody shows up. You can do it in another person's house. We're going to use their backyard. You didn't realize they had four dogs. Things happen. Can you say amen? amen? Tell your neighbor that. Things happen. Amen. All right. So, so here's a good question. Have you ever asked yourself, have you ever said this before? Lord, this is not what you promised me. Lord, this is not the way I seen it. This is not the way I thought it was going to happen. Because if you've been there before, or if you're there now, then I want you to know God will make a way. If you understand how powerful this message is and this scripture where, where it gives us an incredible understanding, peace, take it slowly, take your hand off, let God do some of what you're trying to do. Now that speaks to a lot of us in ways that we don't admit, me especially, because I'm a fix-it guy. If something is broke, I will fix it. If something's not working, I will do something about it. If it's not happening the way I planned it, I will change it. I have a bad habit of just getting involved and doing something. No one hears more than God to get out of the way than me. My grandkids tell everybody, oh, our papa can fix anything. The Bible says Israel are God's chosen people. 
They're in the wilderness. And Psalms 107, verse 6 and 7 tells us, they cried out to the Lord in the midst of their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress, and he led them also by the straight way to go to an inhabited city. God knows what direction we should be going in. God knew where to take the children of Israel. And God knows what he's doing in our lives. Things don't happen to believers haphazardly. Things don't happen by chance. God, God or orchestrates everything. He ordains everything. Nothing comes into your life without his permission. If you've been through a trial, a storm, a battle, a hellish time in your life, he had to give permission to those things in order for them to come into your life. There was a purpose behind them. You may not know now. You may not understand now. But somewhere down the line, you're going to look back and you're going to realize it did something. That when I was there, it did something in my life. I didn't even realize I needed. I didn't realize I had that in me. I didn't realize that was a problem in my life. God knows what he's doing. Everything in your life might seem to be coming apart when actually you're having one of those but God moments. But God, where did I go wrong? I thought, I thought you wanted me to do that. I thought you wanted me to say that. Ever had one of those situations where it happens? When Cain killed Abel, God's plan for Eve was delayed, not destroyed. And in spite of what you're going through, listen to me, in spite of what you're going through right now, in spite of what took place a while back, in spite of what's in, in, your, in struggling through your mind, everything that God has promised will be fulfilled. Why? Because God is not a man that he should lie. God keeps his word. Philippians 1, 6, Paul says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you and me will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. God knows what he's doing. You need to laugh once in a while. Quit being so serious. Laugh once in a while at some of the things that happen. I know people might think you're crazy. Many of you lost your mind. No, it's just the reality is we're broken. And sometimes our plans don't work out the way we expect them. God has a way of restoring things that you thought would never come to pass. And what God did is he moved in Eve's life. I want you to go with me. Go back to the scripture you're in. Go back to Genesis chapter 4. I want you to go to verse number 25. Go to the end of that uh, chapter there. Verse 25 tells us, Adam had relations with his wife again, and she gave birth. To a son. Everybody say a son. And his name, whew, named him Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring in place of Abel, for Cain had killed him. Do you see that right there? Seth. 
Now, the best that we can get an understanding of in a translation is that when God moved and she called this young man Seth, his name means granted. His name means appointed. In other words, God was telling Eve, you thought I forgot. You thought it didn't matter. You thought I wasn't listening. You thought I didn't know what was happening, but God knew all the time what was going on. God already had a plan. He already had a strategy. He already knew what he was going to do. The problem is we have to work through those times of wondering when. Suddenly, Eve realized that if God says it, he'll do it. The devil may try to put up roadblocks in your life, in my life, but he cannot prevent it from happening. If God said it, God will do it. He may try to, the devil might try to distract you. He might try to discourage you. He might try to get your eyes off and redirect you, but he cannot prevent it from happening because he doesn't have permission to work in that element. If God made a promise, that promise is going to come through. If God's word testifies it, it's, it testifies about it, it is going to happen. Your blessing may not come in the way you want it. The promise may not come through the person you want it to come through or how it should come through or whatever it should be like, but if God said it, you need to rest assured that he'll make a way. It is what he does. We sing those songs. He's a way maker. That word didn't mean nothing until that song came out. I got way maker. You'd have called somebody a way maker back then. Just saying way would have got you in trouble. Right? Look at somebody say Amen. So, one thing I want to tell you tonight, one point I'm going to make, I'm going to go through a list of things, but there's one thing I'm going to tell you, and I want to convince you of this only because of what God's word says, and that is, God can restore your lost years. That's a promise that's in God's word. It's not a Phil Hernandez promise. I can't make you promises like that. But the word tells us that God can restore your lost years. Listen to me. Money can be restored. Property can be restored. Broken down cars, as some of you old vatos know, can be restored. You can repaint them. You can make them look nice. You can fix them up, right? Old houses can be restored. And, and we believe people, somebody say amen can be restored. Relationships can be restored. But there's one thing that can never be restored, and that's time. Time flies. Usually we say time flies when you're having fun. But time flies, and it does not return. It's like an arrow shot from a bow. Once it's released, it's gone, and it's not coming back. Years can pass, and we can never, we can almost seem like we can never get things back that, are, that, that time has taken away. However, the God we serve, the promises he makes, the promises that are spoken in the impossibility of the way God moves, 
In Joel chapter 2, verse number 25, God told him, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. I will restore what's been stolen from you. I will restore what's been taken from you. I will restore what you think will never come back to you. Now, the immediate meaning of this promise is clear. God's people, they went through some incredible stuff. They went through complete destruction of their entire harvest, of their entire fields through swarms of locusts. They marched through like an army. These insects were doubling and tripling and they were multiplying like an army through the fields. They were destroying everything, everything that was in their sight and they were, and they were not stopped by anything. Four consecutive years, the Bible tells us in the book of Joel, the harvest was completely wiped out. God's people were on their knees. They were broken. They were destroyed. There was nothing they could do. They were broken in more ways than one. They were busted down in more ways than one. Verse 18 and 19 of chapter 2, it says, but the Lord became jealous for his land. He had pity on his people. And God said, behold, I'm going to be sending, I'm going to send you grain. Listen, behold, I am sending you grain. I am sending you wine and oil, and you are going to be satisfied. Listen, in the coming years, God told him, your fields are going to yield an abundance. They're going to make up for what hadn't been lost. I'm moving fast through here. The threshing floors in verse 24 and 26, the threshing floors are going to be full of grain. Your vats are going to overflow with wine and oil. Verse 26, you're going to eat plenty because there's going to be plenty and you're going to be satisfied. This, this awesome promise, this wonderful promise to those people meant that the years of abundant harvest were going to follow the years of desolation, that all those tribulations and trials and years that were brought about by the locusts and the consequences of them, God made a promise that promises in the word today, that promises made to us today that whatever the enemy has stolen from you before you came to Christ he will restore to you now that you belong to him so to us what are those lost years what are those lost years what do lost years look like for us I gave my life to the Lord when I was young I was 19 years old and I gave my life to the Lord I understand the, the, the power and the importance of telling young people, serve God when you're young. If you want to see him move in your life in a powerful way, serve him when you're young. But we also have tremendous testimonies of people who in their later years, after so much had gone through their life, gave their life to Christ. And they look back and they, they look back wishing, they look back thinking, man, if I could have done that when I was young, if I would have made that decision when I was a teenager, but the reality is our God, he restores in ways that we can't even imagine. What do they look like to each person? To everyone in here it would be different because each of us have a different testimony. Lost years that the locusts have eaten can be years that you can't get back. They can be years that come in, in, a, in a variety or many ways. Let me give you a couple if I can real quickly. Lost years can be fruitless years. A lot of hard work was done in the years, 
that the locusts came through and they had eaten everything. After everything was destroyed, the people had to have thought to themselves, all this work and what do we have to show for it? Now, I don't know if you understand this, but you might be here and you might have experienced going through some pain in the world things that you invested your life in, things that you thought were gonna happen, failed ventures, uh, bad investments, uh, bad time investments, maybe misguided areas in your life. And in that effort, day by day, month by month, year by year, you found yourself with massive piles of disappointment and you think, what has come of all my time and all my effort, fruitless years. Maybe they're painful years. I think a lot about people who live with pain. We've had a lot of people in the Almani church, still some now that live with pain. A couple Sundays ago, their wheelchairs almost outdid the regular chairs. We have people that have lost loved ones. Somebody say amen. They had plans for the future. Plans of maybe having children or growing old together, whatever category they might have been in, but in at that time. But now they fear that those dreams have come up empty. I think of people who live with illness. You know, it's funny that sometimes the people who, are, who battle sicknesses and battle struggle through disease and and, and diabetes and high blood pressure and all those guys are some of the people that'll make more commitments than anybody else. Now, I don't know if it's because they feel like they live on the edge of their whole body going out. I don't know what it is, but it's amazing. I made a list one time of people who, who always show up early, who's always there doing things, who, who give their time and volunteer more, and most of them are sick. painful. You assume that you're always going to be healthy. One of the brothers, one of the pastors were standing with Pastor Fernando and he goes, man, I, he looked at me. I don't know why he looked at me. But he looked at me and he goes, hey, I want to look like him when I'm 63. And I'm going, don't look at me, don't look at me like that. Man. Don't look at me like that. Anytime you got a little bit of a belly around my dad, my dad would go, what's that? I said, what's what? What's that? I said, it's muscle. It's not muscle. It's fat. My dad never had a belly in his life. You look at any picture of him, whether he was young or whether he was old, even in his, even in his 70s and his 80s, never had a belly. When, you, when he'd see a belly, he'd go, what's that? I used to tell him I'm a heavyweight lifter. That's called ballast. You think, you, you think in your mind, you assume that things are always going to be like this or you'll always be do, able to do what you do. And then all of a sudden you find that uh, you're living with some disappointments and some struggles. Sometimes those years are selfish years. We've all heard stories, probably hundreds, if not maybe even thousands of times of people who have found themselves in situations like that. Here's a person, we'll call his name Jim. 
made a commitment to Christ, made a commitment to Christ, but it didn't run deep. It didn't go deep enough. Maybe it wasn't for real, but you can't tell because we don't carry one of those meters that we can put on people's forehead that'll say, oh yeah, this one's for real and this one's only halfway. His faith in the Lord Jesus Christ was kind of like a a slice of the big pie in his busy life, and it was filled, his life was filled with things that he wanted to pursue. And then one day, God got a hold of him. God got a hold of him, touched his life, and he was awakened out of his sleep, saying to himself, what in the world have I been doing? There's nothing in my life that matters or means anything, and I want to be able to count for Christ. I want to live in that power of God's spirit. I want to make a difference in the world, but the locusts have eaten half my life, and I've wasted my years on myself. It can be loveless years. Loveless years where divisions come into families and families are destroyed. Some of us know that. Some of us got families like that. You know, when the family comes over at your house, you got the aconcha, you hide the rings, hide the, right? Yeah, I know, I know. You got family, remember, we all have family. Can you say amen? Families that get, that get alienated, families that get pushed out, families that refuse to come around, disagreements and situations that happen, battles within the kids that end up going to the adults. Children grow up, and they're not the same they were when they were little. They grow up, and sometimes they make decisions on their own. Why? Because that's the freedom that God has given to us. That's the love that he has given to us. He loves us so much that he gives us the freedom to even make our own mistakes and deal with our own consequences. Are you listening here, what I'm sharing with you? And, and those things that happen as children grow up, they're years that can't be recovered. I often tell people, I wish I could go back and do it differently. Now, I wasn't a horrible dad, but there's just some things I know that I did, didn't do completely right. And my kids are old, and they're not ashamed to say it. Just about a week ago, my son is telling this story, and out of the blue, he goes, yeah, oh, yeah, and my dad, he beat me. So I don't remember you beating me. You beat me all the time. Once a week, there was a beating. I said, my God, where do you get these stories from? And he was jiving, and he was having a great time at my expense. Sometimes marriages go sour. You haven't had it happen in your family. You haven't had it happen in your church. Thank God, but it does happen. And it does happen. And, and, and the enemy would love for us to, to try and peg people as being evil. Well, I know why. You don't know nothing. You don't know nothing. How do you judge, how do you judge another person's servant? People serve God. They don't serve us. Sometimes those marriages endure with struggle. They endure where, where, where there's a battle and there's a, there's, a, there's a burden and there's a battle and there's everything else. And, and you, sometimes you can see a couple that, that, that are really in love and you say things like, I, 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 I wish I could be loved like that. But I've experienced a lot of defeat in my life. Or maybe you've not met the person that you want to meet. Because Fabio doesn't come to your church yet. Feels like those years are moving on. Am I, am I ever going to find anybody? You found G. No, he found you. 
Jesus found you, and that, that encounter right there should be the greatest satisfaction in your life if you're following him. Somebody say amen. amen. But pastor, there are lonely days. Get a dog. A chihuahua. They'll run you dragged. One of those Pekingese things that won't shut their mouth. Some of you have those dogs, huh? I'm sorry. I apologize. You figure you can never get them back. Those are the years that the locusts have eaten. Sometimes those lost years can be rebellious years. You might have grown up with all kinds of blessings around you. But deep down in your heart, you wanted to be a level. Not level. <laughs> you wanted to be a rebel. You didn't fully understand uh, that urge that was in you. But you gave into it. And instead of bringing you pleasure, rebellion brought you pain. Painful years. Sometimes you look back at those years with regret. Those are years that the locusts have eaten. Sometimes they're misdirected years. Sometimes you choose a path for an area of your life, and it was your choice, a career, something that pulled you away from the one who loves you and the people who loved you. Sometimes you found yourself in a place that you really didn't say it honestly to yourself, but I just don't fit in here. In your conversations and in your sharing with people and sometimes looking in the mirror, you ask yourself, how did I end up here? If only I'd have made that move differently. If only I'd have taken that opportunity. If only I wouldn't, if only I thought something different. If only this, if only that. If I would have chose a different path. But the moment's passed, it's gone, you can't go back, you're there. In the midst of the field, the locusts are still around. To some people, it can be Christless years. All those years that the locusts have eaten. Why am I sharing all these things? Because not everybody, but some of us sooner or later come to a point where we look at our lives and we say, I wish I could make things up for all those times that I couldn't, that I didn't, or that I wasn't. And what the Bible tells you, and what the Bible tells me, what God's word says, he said, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Pastor, I was a drug addict for many years. I was a convict for many years. I was, a, I was this, I was that, I was whatever category you want. It doesn't matter what category you fit into or even the one you don't think you fit into. The reality is God is a restorer of those lost years. He makes a way where nobody can make a way. I say this to you, take heart. Renew your heart, reconnect your heart, reestablish your heart because hope is always there. There's hope because God's word is alive and God can restore anything that the enemy has taken away. He does it in your relationship with him. He does it in your relationship with people. He multiplies the restoration. I was thinking about Albuquerque and the testimony you were giving this morning and, 
and all the sharing you were doing. And I'm thinking that I know for a fact, because of the way God works, he plants a seed, he waters, and then there's the harvest. Three people, in a sense, that you could say how God uses us. One plants the seed, one comes to water, and one reaps the harvest. And when you, when you heard Pastor George up here, Pastor George Monroy, Monroy, he's sharing the fact that he stepped into the reaping of the harvest. And I'm thinking in my mind as he's sharing this, how awesome that somebody ahead, somebody before we even knew that there was a desire to go to Albuquerque, somebody before it was a thought and a hunger on our mind, somebody had been laboring, seeds were being planted, watered, there was somebody nurturing that land. Why? Because God restores people and places and things. It's what he does. It's in his nature and he multiplies it. So when the harvest comes, it's re reaped in 30 and 70 and 100 fold. Come on, give the Lord some praise. That's how God works those lost years. Eve was restored. God got her to realize, didn't make her, but gave her the ability to realize what I promised you I will do. Sometimes a short-term loss in our lives brings an enormous gain as God heals and restores and does what he does. That is the way God moves. He, he offers himself to us. He brings everything that is, that is needed around our lives, whether it's our sin, our grief, our sorrow, all that was laid on the Lord Jesus Christ. Our judgment fell on him. Our locusts swarmed all over over him and he took them to the grave. He put them into that victory. He put that victory into us and then promised us a restoration of all that the enemy mocks us with because he mocks us. The enemy mocks our failure and we often listen to him. The enemy mocks our weaknesses. And we often listen to him and give credit. And sometimes we even make the mistake of acknowledging it. And the enemy mocks us with something lost, mocks us with a failure, mocks us with a bad decision, with a, with a wrong move. He mocks us and we often look in the mirror and say, yeah. Yeah, I messed up. Show me somebody who doesn't mess up. We are broken people living in a broken world that have been redeemed and made sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that promise, everything that he has promised us and everything his word tells us will be restored to us. I want you to stand to your feet with me this morning, could you? Let me ask Pastor George, Monroy, Pastor Ralph, would you guys come and just kind of, could you guys stand here? Because we, we want to pray for people this morning. Every message that we heard this morning was, a, was an incredible challenge. I want to I walk, I want to walk in that faith that Pastor George was speaking of. 
I want, I want to walk in that faith that he talked about. That was the faith that the Lord Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul told us to walk in. I want to stand in that sonship. I just preached that just a couple of weeks ago on the power of sonship in our lives. <laughs> Pastor Ralph took it to a third level, man. That was tremendous. We, we, I want to walk in that. And I want to stand in the fact that those lost years, no matter who you are or where you come from, no matter what's taken place, no matter what's happened, God can restore them. He makes a way. He makes a way, and that's his desire. Would you bow your heads with me? Let me just pray real quickly before I, before I speak to you. Father, we ask you right now, Lord, we've heard more truth right now in these few hours here this morning, God. More truth that has stirred our hearts. More truth that has ignited a fire. More truth that has opened our eyes to a reality, God, that you are more than we understand that our mind limits you in such a way, God, that we try to think of you in the way our mind lets us think, but you're beyond that. By faith, Lord, we need to trust you in a greater way. Right now, God, I pray for these people that are here, brothers and sisters in Christ, sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ, men and women that you have called, that you have chosen. Some of them here, Lord, need, they need a touch of that faith. 